Hello and welcome everyone to the comic multiverse where the worlds of nerd meet. As always, I'm your host, Cape Joel, and you might have noticed this week looks a little different. Matt, Matt is away. He got called away on very important Australian business, but that's all right because I got a hell of a fill-in for you this week, everyone. It's Jason Inman. Hello. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, absolute pleasure. You know, it's the funniest thing I was thinking before we started. You and I... We've run in a lot of the same circles in the comic book, <laughs> nerdy, YouTube sphere. We've done a lot of the same shows. We know and are friends with a lot of the same people. Mm -hmm. I've been on your channel, but this is the first time you've ever been on mine. Is that true? I thought I had been already. You might have done something with me back when I worked with Name Redacted. Okay. All right. Maybe. Okay. Uh, you're probably right on that. You, but you have been on my channel, I know. I have been, yeah. A, a lot of the work I did with Name Redacted has been lost to time in the internet, so we, we might never know unless <laughs> there's like some super fans who have been following me for years will tell me in the comments section if we ever did a thing together. All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so super happy to have you here, Jason. Now, for those who don't know who Jason is, which I get the feeling will be a small amount of people, why why don't you tell us what you do and what you've done? Because, man, you, you I think you're the only person on this show ever who has an IMDb page. So, oh, really? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so let's go into that. I, I don't even have a TV Tropes page, man, and I can't make that for myself. They out there have to make one for me. Oh, that's crazy. Um... Well, I'm a comic book writer and a writer of all types of various things, but people probably most likely know me uh, from my time hosting DC All Access, which mm -hmm. is DC Comics' show before DC Daily, uh, the one that you didn't have to buy a subscription for. Uh -huh. And uh, I did that for three and a half years. I've also worked with Screen Junkies. I've done a lot of work with Collider on the Schmodown. Mm -hmm. And currently I'm working as uh, the showrunner's assistant on The Co., which is a drama on CBS. Mm -hmm. Uh, but also, I've written comics like Jupiter Jet, Science, and uh, currently I have a book called uh, Super Soldiers, Ooh, which is out right now. It's Look, it's real, guys. It's it a, look, no pictures. It's well, also some a backdrop pictures. for the video they're watching right now. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, tell us, tell us all about that one, because I know you've been super excited about this book. You've been doing the podcast circuit talking about this. Yes. Uh, so this is a nonfiction book where I examine 16 different comic book characters who have served in the military. And what many people don't realize, it, it is, uh, I'm sorry to say, Joel, I've limited this to the U.S. military. That's all right. That's fair. Uh, because I served in the U.S. military, and that's the only frame of reference that I have. So Fair enough. Um, so Wolverine is in the honorable mention chapter. Hey, I'm sorry. There we go. That's he's all in, right. He, he's in there. Um so each chapter I look at, because uh, I'm a veteran of the United States Army, and I look at ca characters like Captain America, Captain Marvel, the Punisher, Nuke, mm -hmm. even lesser-known characters like Gravedigger and Sergeant Rock. Oh, I love and Gravedigger I examine... and Sergeant Rock. What's that? I said I love Gravedigger and Sergeant Rock. A lot of people don't know Gravedigger, man. You're the first podcast I've done where people are like, yeah, Gravedigger. They tried so, to bring Gravedigger back in the G.I. Zombie book written by Jimmy Palmiotti. He was a G.I. Zombie's handler. I'm like, oh, what a cool reference. That's a cool idea. I, I'll, tell you, I'll be honest with you, doing the research for this book, I would love to bring Gravedigger back. And if you don't know out there who we're talking about, Ulysses Hazard, go Google him. Oh, yeah. B uh, very fascinating. Um, so basically, again, I, I use my military experience. And I look at these characters and I judge them basically whether or not they are a good or bad representation Ooh. of the military. Because I will warn you, there are some bad representations in here. And then assume. over the course of doing my research and writing this book, this book became very personal. 
There's a lot of stories in here that I've never told anybody. And it just seemed like the best way to tell the stories of these fictional brothers and sisters, the commonality that we have in the military, it seemed the best way to express their stories was by expressing my own. So um, if you listen to the podcast that I co-host with Ashley Victoria Robinson, Geek History Lesson, where we explain characters and stuff like that, I like to say that this is sort of a written version of Geek History Lesson. Like if you like Geek History Lesson, like anything on our channels, you're going to love Super Soldiers. And it's available for pre-order right now. Everywhere books are sold. Uh, if you look down in the description of this very video, or if you're listening to it later on SoundCloud or iTunes, you're probably going to find a link to that book, so do that Woo! if you're so interested. Yeah, it's on Amazon, it's on Barnes & Noble, everywhere you can find books, it's there. Nice, nice. Now, when researching this book, did you uh, end up finding any little tidbits of information or anything that surprised you? I'm sure you did. Yeah, there was a lot of surprising stuff. Um, one of the very first things that I did not realize, and I think a lot of people don't realize this, is that Captain America's first adventure happened before the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. Really? Yes. It, it beat Pearl Harbor by about eight months. Wow. So the fact that the very first cover of Captain America comics is Captain America sucking Adolf Hitler in the mm. jaw and Bucky being like, go get him, Cap! It, that, it's funny, when that comic was published, the American public was very divided on it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because there was still a part of the American public that was just like, that Adolf Hitler, uh, we don't know if there's anything wrong with that guy. And then there was the other half. That's a European conflict. We're not getting involved. Yeah, exactly. It's it's over there. It's over there. Um, But I later learned that Joe Simon and Jack Kirby were, of course, very political. Mm -hmm. And they decided that if they were doing a comic book called Captain America, that they were going to use the covers as sort of... um, Oh God! There's a perfect word for it. I can't, and it just escaped me. Uh, political, um, um, basically ideology. Right, right, like right. They were gonna, they were gonna use it to express their political views because Timely would not let them do that in the comic. In the actual comic, Captain America just guards an army camp and <laughs> fights spies. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But he, but he actually, but I think many people think that as soon as Captain America is created, it's just like the movie. He laces up and goes to war. Right, not right. the case in the comics. No, not at all. Man, that's that's very fascinating. In fact, that whole era of comics is fascinating when it's like, hey, this is what they wrote when America was at war. Mm-hmm. And most, if not all, superheroes, even the ones who uh, weren't in the military, ended up fighting the war in one way or another. I have a great omnibus, which is like DC Comics during the war. And it's like, here's Batman fighting uh, saboteurs on the home front. And here's Wonder Woman flipping tanks and everything. I'm like, wow, this th- this is an interesting time capsule, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And also, it's funny you brought up Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is in my honorable mention chapter. At the very end, I do honorable mention chapter where I kind of mention the people that I that I thought didn't deserve a full chapter, either because their story repeated somebody that I really want to talk about or for silly reasons. Mm. Um, Wonder Woman was an army nurse. Yes, that's right. Uh, she pretended to be an army nurse. I forgot about that. Wow, yeah, that, I forgot about that, too. Also, you figure, too, it's like, well, you know, she's a she's an Amazonian fighter. She was in the Amazonian military, but what's what's the cutoff for fantasy military organizations and real-world yeah. military organizations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> if you do that, then it's like, oh, yeah, he was in the Shi'ar military. Yeah, that counts. Yeah, there's a certain point where you have to, like, yeah, I, I had to, I drew my line very much with the U.S. military. If you did not serve in the U.S. military, right. I did not count you. 
Right, right. I, I like the idea that, you know, you're not afraid to put more of a critique and more of, you know, an eye on that sort of thing where it's like, you know, what what ones aren't the best uh, example of that? Again, you, you mentioned The Punisher, and I know uh, Jerry Conway uh, has been very vocal on where he stands on that, where it's like, look, yes, The Punisher is in the military. Yes, a lot of people in the military now like The Punisher, but maybe you shouldn't, though. Yeah, I, I come, I quote Jerry a couple of times in the book, and I fall kind of in the same category as him. I don't think that Frank Castle is a person that should be worshipped or praised by anybody in the military because he's a survivor of a traumatic incident. He needs mental counseling, not applause. He's a cautionary tale. Exactly, exactly, because he has... Everybody in the military, we operate on rules of engagement. Mm -hmm. So we are allowed to do certain things if the enemy does certain things in, in turn. It, it, it is a one-step process. You don't automatically jump to the nuclear bomb. Right. You, you go through great. ten steps to get there. Frank Castle has lost that completely. All scorched earth tactics. Exactly. It's burning everything. Every if if you or if you are involved with them at any moment, you are automatically murdered. Even if you're the guy that just delivers their pizza, yeah, you're murdered. Absolutely. Um, because of association, which is again is is break down the rules of engagement. But also, Frank Castle now treats you home soil, United States soil, as a combat zone. And there's yes. a difference oh, yeah. in militaries between operating in combat zones and operating in non-combat zones. There are very different rules. And, and again, he's broken those rules because of his trauma. So again, I don't think... I would hope modern soldiers... Yeah. Because to me, I think the most powerful aspect of, of being a soldier is that at your core, you're a protector. You're a right. protector of your government, your home, your land, your ideals. Um, you're supposed to be a protector, not a killer. Right, right, definitely. I mean, that's the ideal. All all the military branches of the United States have core values. You can look them up, you can find you can literally google them right now. They're they're public knowledge. Like you most of them are honor, integrity, truth, mm. courage, stuff like that. Those are not the values of Frank Castle. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. So why are we praising him? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I know I feel uneasy if I, you know, see, like, those pictures of cop cars and, you know, military vehicles with a Punisher skull on. I'm like, ooh, yeah. I, do, I don't think you guys read far enough in there. Did, did you read this Ennis stuff? I don't think you read this yeah. Ennis stuff. The Ennis stuff is amazing. I love yeah, that he kept him grounded in the Vietnam War. And I love that he made Frank 60 years old. I think yeah. that's an amazing story. So good, so good. Even the stuff uh, Rosenberg is doing right now with him mm. being like, I'm going to fight Hydra full time now. That's my new thing now. I've decided to up my game and be, you know, a Punisher on a more global scale. I'm like, all right, that's pretty fun. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I've uh, I made my pitch. Uh, I did the Word Balloon podcast last mm -hmm. week, and I'm going to keep throwing this in the world because they keep saying your dreams. <laughs> um, as far as my research could tell, no veteran has ever written The Punisher. Wow, that, wow. As far as I could tell. Now, I, I, I've been I've been putting it out into the internet because I want somebody to please tell me that a veteran has done it. Right, wow, that's um, and it's And it seems weird that a veteran hasn't. Um, so if there is no veteran out there that has ever written The Punisher, I'm throwing my hat into the ring. Uh, I have a Punisher pitch. Let's yeah. go. 
pl- please give this man some work. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> and then I think about it too. It's like, well, until Charles Soule wrote Daredevil, that was the only time a lawyer right? wrote Daredevil, and that took decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe now is um, the time, especially you know when it comes to you know uh, American culture and wars and everything. Maybe it's time for that story to be told from an actual veteran perspective. Well, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm not, not saying it's. And it's, it's also the argument. Like, like I'm not saying like. You know, with with certain people, you hear the argument that like, oh, a woman should always write Wonder Woman, or an African American should always write, um, you know, uh, John Stewart. Yeah. Uh, I think those people should be maybe given first dibs because I think they can bring in a piece of authenticity. Right. Um, and that, that's all I'm saying with Frank. I'm not saying that like a non-veteran can't write Frank, but I would like to read that. Even if it's not me, I would like to read. A veteran's perspective on the Punisher. Me too. I'll tell you, like, uh, a recurring theme in some of the worst Punisher stories I read is, you know, where a writer's like, oh, I get it, you've seen a lot of war movies, you've seen Full Metal Jacket a lot, and so you're just cribbing from all of these things. I've seen the same movies too, so I know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a taste, I'll give you a taste, a little taste. Because it's an aspect of the Punisher um, that I think many people don't think about. Um, So Frank was a True Blue Marine. Mm-hmm. Hardcore. He was so hardcore Marine that he did several deployments. Yeah. And there was at one point where he had the option from to come home or to go back for another deployment. He almost chose the deployment again, but him and his wife had a conversation. He said to come home. Uh, even when he came home, he was still a military trainer. So this dude loves the Marines. Oh, yeah. Okay? No doubt. If the United States... Is in a prolonged conflict, and we are right now. We're Indeed. we're approaching 18, 17 years of Afghanistan, pretty a long time. I find it hard to believe that Frank Castle, a war veteran, would not do everything in his power to end that war. Mm. That he would leave his fellow Marines high and dry, as they might say, and that's a little bit of a taste of. Where I would take that character. I, I like that. I, I had a similar pitch to Sal many years ago. I love this is just becoming a Punisher-themed show now. Hey, it's fine. I mean, he's he's a very obvious example, it's so that's true. fine. There's a, there, there was a pitch I had for him. Again, it was going back to the Vietnam thing. It would have to exist in the NS era. Mm-hmm. I want to see the Vietnamese answer to the Punisher. I want to see a guy oh. from crime created over there and to have a new villain be like, you know, Frank, you and I are kindred spirits. We were both created on the same battlefield, but we passed we passed like ships in the night, you and I, and I want to, you know, bring you to Vietnam, and I want you and I to have one last war, you and I. I want The escalation to... argument. That's, that's, a great, that's a great idea. And be like, you created me, you know, you showed me how to do this. I'm like, that's, that's really great, because like, I read a bunch of really interesting like uh, stuff written by uh, guys who fought for the Viet Cong side, and they're like, you know, we were, we were, you know, uneducated farmers. We still thought we were fighting the French. We had no idea we were fighting the Americans. I couldn't read until I was thirty, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, hey, and then we lived in a communist regime after that. Shockingly, communism helped me because they're like, no, everyone talk to each other, everyone like embrace each other and hug. This is the communist way, and I'm like, wow, really. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Yeah. I would love to see that told from the other side. And then I thought really interested where I'm like, OK, so Punisher has the skull. So what's the Vietnamese character for punishment? Mm. And he would like do that on his chest and everything. And that would be his skull. Oh, that's interesting. That's a great idea. 
again, you you can have that one, Marvel. I have several more. <laughs> Joel, I'll tell you what, man. If 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 this putting my dreams out on the internet works, I may give you a ring and be and like, hey, can I use that idea? I'll give you story by credit. I am fine with that, sir. Now, here's another question about the book that just came to my mind. Obviously, sure. you know, you got Punisher, who's a Marine. You got Captain America, Carol Danvers, Air Force, and everything. Was there a branch of the United States military that was not represented by a hero? I can't think. Are there any naval superheroes? Okay, so that's the thing, and I'm just going to do a real quick double check. You're not the only person to have asked me this question. Okay. Um, and to my knowledge, I'm just I, I'm just doing a double check because I'm pretty certain. All right. Uh, Sadly, I could not find a Navy superhero. That seems like such a missed opportunity, doesn't it? No, no one's been in the Navy. Uh, I mean, now, I'm again, from my research, I'm not saying that I was complete. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I kind of, I kind of went where my heart, my mind kind of told me. I was like, oh, I need, a, I need a military character that does this. I need a military character that does. This. Oh yeah, Deathstroke. Oh man, kind of went. I tried to find military characters that were different from each other. Right, right. Um, the most underrepresented is is the Air Force. Really? I mean, it's Air Force and Navy. There, right. like, I could not find a Navy uh, uh, superhero. Um, Air Force is very underrepresented, and then the, the Everybody puts soldiers in the in the army. Now, right. that is true. Soldiers are only in the army because Marines are in the Marines, and airmen are in the Air Force, and mm-hmm. sailors are in the Navy. I apologize to these service members. Um, that distinction is very valid. I just called it super soldiers because the alliteration. Thought it sounded cool. And plus, you uh, know, there's a million super soldier programs in the comics, yep. so there you go. But, uh, you know, I think that's maybe because if you don't have a lot of knowledge into the military, you automatically think, oh, army. Yeah. Army is a term that everybody understands. Soldier is a term that everybody understands. I'm just going to put my character into uh, the army. Actually, I'm going to look at my honorable mention just to make sure because, like it, I feel like uh, a sham of an author that I didn't find the Navy <laughs> superhero. Didn't they retcon it in the movies to say that Falcon was in uh, the effort? No, he was a pair. Falcon's Air Force. Yeah. Okay. He's there a... you go. Yeah, he's. Um, they retconned it. Yeah, because Falcon in the comics, and I tried to make. Um, okay, so, miscorrection, okay, uh, Steve Trevor mm-hmm. was a Navy SEAL at one point. Oh, that makes sense. So there, there's your one Navy man, or there's your one sailor. I, uh, it's, uh, I, I, the only reason I thought of Navy is that I had a friend's uncle who was in the Navy, and, you know, he had a story he would always tell when his family asked, you know, why did you pick the Navy? And he said something akin to, like, uh, because Vietnam and all those other wars were land wars, and also when you're in the Navy, you get, uh, what is it, sent to places like Hawaii and cool places like that. I'm like, I've never thought of that, but all right. It's very tropical. Yeah. It's a tropical gig. We had the, um, we had the joke in the army that, yeah, the Navy guys are all getting suntans <laughs> on the decks of their ships and the, and the Air Force guys are just sitting in their air conditioned offices because they won't let them, they don't have that many planes. No, I guess not. <laughs> that, that is an interesting way to look at it too, where it's like, man, if you do need the Air Force and you do need the Navy, then that means things have gotten pretty bad, I guess. Yep, things are pretty bad. The guys on the ground could not fix it. Yeah, then you're on full-on World War territory. It's like, no, 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 we got to fight them in the skies and in yeah. the water and everywhere. Else. Well, see, and that and that's part of the thing too, because when I joined uh, the army, I was 17, and I did it because I, I, I was like, if I'm going to join the military, I'm, 
I'm getting in the mud. Mm-hmm. Like I want to do that. But I didn't join the Marines because I always had heard that the Marines had it the hardest. Yeah, same here. You know, I always heard that. And, it, and that is very that is true. So I went Marines because I thought that that would be the way that you get the full experience. But like you just wouldn't be uh, uh, apologies to all the Marines out there. Cannon fodder. <laughs> and I mean, the Marines, too, I think they have the best recruitment ads, don't they? The few, the proud, the Marines. I'm Canadian. Hey, they have the best slogan that. and probably the best uniforms. I'll, I'll, I'll fully admit that as an army man. It's a pretty slick uniform there. Uh, what, yep. what, what about National Guard there? Is that also considered an arm? Again, I'm Canadian, so we have completely Yes, different... uh, yeah. So there, there is the Army National Guard, mm-hmm. and then there is the um, there's the Air Force Reserve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's the Army Reserve, which is a different thing. Oh, okay. I'm learning yeah, a there's... lot. Oh, you know, I also remember there is another uh, <laughs> there is another section of the U.S. military that does not have a superhero. A missed opportunity. Coast Guard. Ah, uh, where's did... our Coast Guard ally to Aquaman? I, that man, <laughs> you you nailed it right there. How has Aquaman never either a joined the Coast Guard or b right? had a fr- like his Jim Gordon works for the Coast Guard? Right? Yeah, it should be. It's just name, you know, like Captain Gill. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, but Bibbo Babowski was a sailor, but I don't think he was actually a military sailor. I think he was just a commercial sailor. Yeah, I think he was just like an immersion fleet. <laughs> there you go. But he had the hat, though. Yeah, I think he was just selling, like, bad blenders. There you go. Man, you know, <laughs> I, I, I do enjoy going to military surplus stores in my spare time, and there are many oh, pictures really? of me. Oh, yeah, that, that that's a thing about me people don't know that I'm only telling here because why would I be able to weave that into conversation elsewise? <laughs> what do you look for there? Uh, hats, mostly. There are many pictures of me in sailor's hats, and here's the funny thing. I have a massive head. I don't know if you can see this, everyone. <laughs> Normal hats do not fit me. Sailor hats actually fit me is the funny thing. I'm, I might have to put a couple of those on Instagram, but yeah, just I think you do, man. I don't think I've ever seen a picture of you in a sailor hat, but now I want to. Now I have to. There, just just doing the full Donald Duck. Yep. He, he's a sailor, not a superhero, but he is a sailor. And you got to walk down the street doing the uh, village people song in the, the navy. Yeah. Yeah. See, maybe that's why no one wants to write anyone for the navy because they just instantly think of the village people song. They that's, probably do. It's so. But I'm popular. telling you, man, I think we stumbled onto that Coast Guard, Aquaman Two, James Wan. I hope you're listening. We know you're listening. Yeah, uh, Captain Gill. Get on it, man. <laughs> we need more Navy Coast Guard representation and stuff. Man, that's dude, let, let's write Kelly Sue DeConnick now. Hey, Kelly Sue, I know you're doing a whole story with his, with his amnesia and sea gods and everything, but seriously, get get on this. You're missing something with the Coast Guard here. <laughs> yeah, you, you could do something amazing. You did great work with Captain Marvel, so here you go, Captain Coast Guard. Captain Coast Guard. <laughs> I like it. Yep. Uh, so yeah, anything else about the book that you know people might really be interested in? You know, just to just to sell it up a little bit more. Um, no, I think you know. Um, there, I I think the best thing about the book is that I the whole goal of the book is to make you think about an aspect of these characters that I don't think many people think about. A lot of writers will use the military as a shorthand. Yes, they will just say that character was in the military, so it means either that they're crazy mm-hmm. or that they're tough. Yep, that's that's the two. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then that's the far as far as they go. And, I, and the idea I want to show is that not everybody uh, that served in the military is just black or white. There's lots of different levels, just like all other aspects of every section of society. And these military attributes can be used in good ways to help these superhero stories and bad ways. Okay. And I just I just want to open your mind. Like I, I love learning. And telling people about things that they don't know. I love to learn. I love education. That's the whole goal of this book. 
And um, if you learn a little bit about one of your favorite military comic book characters that you didn't know, then my book, Super Soldiers, did its job. Yeah, that's that sounds really good. That's a hell of a pitch. And uh, yeah, again, if people are interested in that, link down in the description. I know I'm interested. I know I want to check it out. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> oh, not a problem. Now, here's the great part. Because Jason is here and because this this is just a regular show, he actually gets to be here with us when we talk about the news from the week. Yeah. The news, not sponsored by Starbucks. Ah, uh, not sponsored by... Man, I've been getting so into iced coffee this summer. I've never mm -hmm. been a coffee person. I'm making it at home now. It's like, nah, the stores aren't even good enough. I need oh, to dude. make it myself. I, uh, I'm not from the American South. Um, I'm from the Midwest, but I drink iced tea like nobody's business. It's good stuff. Whenever I go so. to a restaurant, that's what I go for. Yep. Because it's like soda I can get anywhere. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm not. I, I don't really drink. Is the thing too, so I'm not going to yeah. order like a beer. Or soda, soda is the one I'm trying to cut away. It's 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 the it's the terrible crutch. So I'm trying to replace it as much as I can with tea. Uh, I I know exactly where you're at with that. I lost almost 30 pounds in the last couple months going keto and cutting out well, the sugar. Thank you. I I posted a thing the other day where it's like, look how fat I was a year and a half ago. Look at me now. I have a jawline for the first time <laughs> in my life. And I just don't have to hide it behind a scraggly beard mm -hmm. like what I was doing. <laughs> uh, uh, have you heard of Zevia? Yeah. Or do they make sodas? Yeah. Or like fake sodas? Uh, they make sodas. They make iced tea. They make drink mix. They make everything now. And if you live in America, you have more options. I've switched to Zevia. It's uh, sweetened with stevia sugar. And, uh, man, I can almost not tell the difference between that and regular soda. It's really good oh, stuff. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into that. I'm all about it. I I swear by it. It's good. It's good stuff. And they have. I bet all your there. listeners are loving this this weight loss talk. Uh, sometimes they do. Is the amazing. Oh, do they? Oh yeah, they're right. they're a real eclectic bunch, my listeners. So I'm glad well, they're we, awesome. Then. Oh, that's nice. I'm glad we can give them a different type of show. But uh, yeah, Zevia and Stevia. I swear by because I'm a big tea drinker in the morning. I don't. Yeah, drink... I use I use Stevia in all my tea. Ah, oh, see, there you go. You yep. you can almost not taste the difference. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, all right, but you found Stevia Soda, man. I'm in. Stevia Soda. It's some good – you know, I, I, if I feel if I mention Zevia enough and if I drink it on camera enough, those product placements and, you know, sponsorships will have to be coming. <laughs> Let's hope, right? Oh, yeah. They, they got so many different types of flavors. They make iced tea now, which has only just come to Canada. It was only in the States, but now I can buy it here. Oh, man. All right. Shocking. Well, good, man. I'm, that's awesome. I'm Keep going, dude. Don't stop. That's awesome. I'm, congrats am, for you, man. I'm keeping it up. And again, here's the crazy part. Lost all this weight. Barely even changed my lifestyle at all to where I'm like, man, imagine if I actually trained. Imagine if I actually worked out. Yeah, dude. Oh. What that would be. I've been trying to train for a 5K, Ooh. but I also hate running. I feel that. So it's tough. And then, you know, working the full-time job at CBS now, man, it's rough. Yeah, let's actually, you know, before we talk about the news, let's talk about that. You're on that show, The Code, yes. uh, working on that. And I and I heard you talk about that when I briefly tuned into uh, Sal's podcast, the Elseworlds Exchange that I normally co-host. Uh, mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, The Code, I've heard of that. And before I even Googled it, I'm like, all right, so this show is either going to be something about the military, because obviously I know Jason and know his background, or it's about computer coding. I don't know <laughs> what it's about, but tell me what it's about. It's it, it's about the military. I um, knew it. It's part of the reason why I got the job. Um, it, it is about some Marine JAG lawyers in America, Judge Advocate Generals. They are the lawyers that prosecute or defend military crimes because like military so crimes. Yeah, just like Jack. Yes. Uh, so military crimes are like, you know, they're prosecuted separate 
of the civilian justice system. And our show is about um, a team of Marines that are also JAGs, and they are defending the military code of justice. It's not a typical procedural. No, I guess not. There is the case of the week, mm-hmm. but there are serialized elements that go through every one. Oh, that's and cool. a lot of the cases deal with, uh, kind of like some of the stuff in my book, moral issues that I don't think many people um, have thought about in terms of the modern military. Our second episode was about a kid just joined up, mm-hmm. got sent to Somalia, got in his first battle ever, mm-hmm. had a panic attack. Ooh, that's, that's But he lied terrible. about having a panic attack. Uh... So... His commanding officer is trying to charge him with cowardice, which is something you can charge people in the military. Yes. You can charge him with cowardice. And it's the argument of he doesn't want to tell anybody that he had a panic attack because he thinks it made him makes him look weak, yeah, makes him look yeah. like a weak Marine. So that's what that episode about. So we so we again, it's still about court cases, but, um, you know, deals more with the moral issues and stuff like that. It's on Monday nights on CBS. That sounds very interesting, actually. I, I love a good procedural. I watched Law & Order for years. Well, I still watch Law & Order. Man, this show, this show is right up your alley, then. If you like Law & Order, you're going to love the, the code. It's funny. You mentioned how it's you know more serialized. I like that uh, procedurals had to get more serialized in a Netflix mm-hmm. era. I still remember when SVU made the big changeover from like, all right, episode of the week, episode of the week. Maybe we'll have a through line this season, but maybe not to where now in the newest season. It's like, oh, wow. So they actually have an overarching villain this season? That's new and different. There's an overarching villain now in Law Order? Yes. This season there was. He was like, a, I don't know if he was like a district attorney. He was some guy with a bunch of political muscle who was like, you know, doing crimes and everything. And he recurred several times. And I'm like, man, they are really writing this show now for the bingeable Netflix era like they never have before. It's, it's funny, funny. I, I can remember, remember watching the very first season of Law & Order SVU. Mm-hmm. And when Christopher Maloney, I think, is one of the greatest living actors right now. Yes, he is. And comedians, too. He's a very underrated comedian. Yep. As well. He's so good. He's so good. I get to see happy, but I hear good things. Um, so, so I remember when he was, was like having a, it, his first season, I think it was like a divorce storyline or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And they would, they would cut away to give you like a snippet of the divorce mm-hmm. uh, storyline for maybe 30 seconds. And then they go right to the case. <laughs> Maloney had such an interesting arc on that show because I think he got divorced, he got back together with his wife, they got divorced again. Like, he had a very long run yeah. on that show. Whereas, Whereas like, his, his partner, partner was like, I'm going to ride Law and Order till it dies, man. She's a producer now. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, I think and she's, she's the, the boss, boss now, right? Yeah, she's, she's the, the boss, boss of the unit. unit. Yeah, she's the, yeah she's the like the top dog of that. I think she like produces and executive produces. And I'm pretty Good sure, for her, man. Take, take those paychecks. paychecks. Yeah, Mariska Hargitay. I love her. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she's directed a couple episodes this season. It wouldn't season surprise me. That's, That's where the money, money is, man. man. Yeah, her, her and Ice T. Her and Ice T are sticking around. Oh dear lord. I love is Richard, Richard Belzer still, still on the show? show? No, he retired a couple seasons back, and they made a very big deal about it. Like that season was the Belzer retire season. Such a great actor. Very Homicide, Life in the Streets, one of my favorite television shows of all time. Oh, yeah. Uh, a show with much Tommy Westfall connection, because, again, Belzer's character is on all yep. those shows, and it ties it all together. Yep. I have, uh, um, I've always had the idea that if I, if I ever get to create a show, one of the, I would love to figure out how to do a scene in that show to where my show is the Tommy Westfall God universe. Oh. So, so, like, we're, we're not connected, connected like, we're not one of the imaginary universes. Like, we're actually in 
Tommy's real universe. Oh, that's fun. So, so like, Tommy Westfall would be a character in our show. show. <laughs> for those who don't know and for those who think we all had strokes, Tommy Westfall was yes. a character from uh, Saint Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which was like this doctor procedural show, and he was a kid with, I think they said he had autism or something, and the deal yes. is, is that at the end of St. Elsewhere, it's like, oh, he was imagining the whole show inside his mind, inside a snow globe. And that's important because St. Elsewhere crossed over with like a, dunce, a bunch of other shows on the same yes. network, which in turn had crossovers and crossovers. So it's like, wait, 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 if this all exists in that kid's brain, that means all these shows and all these shows they touched exist in this kid's brain. Yeah, and and, and one of those shows is Homicide. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's why Richard Belzer is like the ultimate, because Richard Belzer holds the record as a TV actor that has guest starred as the same character, yep. I think on like 21 shows. Yeah, Robert Munch, because he's there, he's yep. in like X-Files and Lone Gunman, he keeps showing up in everything. Yeah, he's, he's in, like, a whole bunch of sitcoms as Richard Munch, but, like, but so he's, like, the biggest, the typhoid Mary, if you will, of the Tommy Westfall universe. Heck, uh, it even crosses over to anime. There's a show I like called Black Lagoon about modern-day pirates, and they talk about, like, oh, you know, we're gonna catch hell from this particular police precinct, and it's the fictional police pr- uh, precinct from Law and & Order. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's, it's even I remember Black, Black Lagoon. Lagoon. Yeah, that was a fun show. Yeah. Look, you, you remember the, the uh, Cowboys of Moon Mesa? Mesa? Yes, I do. Thank you. Yep. Sal looks at me like I'm insane every time I mention the Cowboys of Moo Mesa. Oh, I, I love it when they would only drink sarsaparillas, man. man. That's so f- Man, why don't they make more Western-themed cartoons anymore? You see that show they're trying to tour around as a pilot, Long Gone Gulch? Looks pretty good. Oh, I haven't. Is that like an animated Western, Western thing? thing? Yes, it's it's a Western comedy. They got like a little three-minute trailer there. It's a bunch of artists and animators who have worked for other people, but they've made this little sizzle reel, and they're trying to get it picked up by like Cartoon Network and stuff. Oh, wow, that's cool. I dig it because it looks... No, I want Westerns to come back. Me too. Do you remember The Legend of Calamity Jane? I always try and one-up Sal with The Legend of Calamity Jane. No, I don't know that one. I know a lot about Calamity Jane because I love Deadwood, but mm, let me. I don't, I don't know that one. Oh, let me blow your mind, Jason. Okay. So Legend of Calamity Jane was a French-Canadian co-production, which happened a lot in the early 90s for cartoons, where it's like, hey, no one making art over here. And, you know, because... Uh, Canada laws for cartoons and everything there. You get a little bit more leeway here, so you can be a little yeah. darker. And they're like, let's do a super slick, stylized Calamity Jane show that, you know, could maybe compete with Batman the Animated Series. So it's a little bit more cerebral and a little bit more complex. Man, it was striking and beautiful, and no one knows who owns the rights to it anymore. So it's never been released on DVD, and it's only oh, been kept God. alive through pirating. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I've never heard of that show. I do know of the Canadian cartoon Samurai Pizza Cats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, thanks to Ashley for that one. When she first told me about that one, I was like, that's not a real show. Man, You're making it up. Not only is Samurai Pizza Cats real, but it's a cornerstone of many young Canadians our age. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. It's very important to us. Oh, man, the dude who sang the theme song was actually drunk, and that's amazing. He said that years later. It's like, oh yeah, I was smashed when I sang the theme song for that. It was so ridiculous. Can you tell? Like, does the, the does the theme song become more and more garbled? No, but here's the thing, though. When he's done his final line, he just laughs uproariously to himself. And, and they kept it in? They kept it in. And you're like, oh, man, what, what a fun little character bit they put in this theme song. That's like, <laughs> oh, no, no, wait. He was just doing that, and they kept that in. I love it. The producer's like, that's some character. Yeah. That's funny. 
but yeah, so we do actually have news topics, everyone. If ah, forget that. Yeah. Canadian cartoons. Let's go. Canadian cartoons. Man, when <laughs> Ashley was on here last, you better believe we went deep into all that. We're like, yo, remember Reboot and Cyber 6 and all these I love Reboot. It's so good. Love it. Do you know Do you know who you know who worked on Reboot, right? Dan DiDio. Dan DiDio, yep. Which, is am- yep. which amazes me that he worked on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he worked on it. He came from cartoons. Uh, it's funny, like, the first time I ever met him, that's one of the first things I brought up, where that's I was great. like, let's not reboot. But, but and he was kind of like, oh my god, this is amazing. I was gonna say, is he super into it, or does he, like, try and downplay, because I know some people try and, like, downplay stuff like that. No, he's into it. He oh, loves I it. I love that. that. He, the thing about Dan DiDio, and the, it's it's something I, I, I love about him, is that he loves animation. Really? Huh. He loves cartoons and animation. He's He's huge fans of the Hanna-Barbera stuff. That's the reason why they did those crossovers. Oh, well, now that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. That was all him. Like, cause he loves that. He lo- He's a fan of uh, of those, like, of just animation in general. That's really good. I did not know that about him. That's yeah. really fascinating, actually. Now I know if I ever get the chance to meet him, I will ask him the same thing. Yo, man, yeah. reboot. Talk about reboot, man. He'll 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 chat he'll chat up a storm with you. Yeah, he'll yeah. probably because I bet you everybody comes up to him and is like, "Why'd you try to kill Nightwing in a in Infinite uh, Crisis?" Because I don't like him, and also I keep uh, <laughs> I keep spoiler out of all the cartoons. That's why, because I don't like her either. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, whereas if you talk to him about reboot. He might talk to you about Reboot for like 15 minutes and then actually give you like real comic nuggets that are worth a damn. Reboot really hurts my heart because it's one of those things that it ended on a cliffhanger that never got resolved. And then they said forever they were going to try and bring it back. And then when they did, it's like, oh, you brought it back in name only. Yeah, I have not watched the new show because it looks god-awful. You're not missing a thing. You know what I did? Okay. I I did what everyone should have done. I'm like, I'm going to watch the last episode. Oh, Bob and them show up in the last episode. Oh, but they're not voiced by anyone else. Oh, and they're actually making fun of the previous stuff. Okay, yep, I made the right choice here. Oh, that's terrible. So not only if you chose to watch it, you would have watched like 12 episodes of nothing only to get to the 13th episode where they actively flip you off for liking the thing you like. (laughs) All right. All right. Let's talk about the news. What do you got? What do you got? Uh, well, now, the first and probably biggest topic that went down this week is something that uh, we were actually uh, chatting about a little bit before uh, we even started recording. And uh, that is, of course, Swamp Thing met an unlikely cancellation uh, this week and uh, before the second episode even aired. But what blows my mind and is blowing everyone's mind is the reasoning behind the cancellation. They're chalking it up to basically a paperwork filing error is what killed mm-hmm. this show. Uh, I'm going to... First off, I think that this is terrible news for the cast and the crew. Oh, yeah, what a it, terrible way to figure this out. They're like, yeah, sorry, well, we botched the show into cancellation. Well, also, you got to think about, like... So they're riding high. Mm-hmm. This, the, the show just premiered. It was getting positive reviews. Oh, yeah. And they're like, yeah, man, we're definitely going to get a season two. And then mm-hmm. it's, no, no, you're not. It's like, in the same week, the oh, yeah. ultimate high and the ultimate low. That's got to be so crushing. It's like, well, did, mm-hmm. did did it not test well? Did the fans not like something we did? No, it was a paper filing error. But I also think the paper filing error is kind of a lie. It it seems very suspicious, doesn't it? It's like of yes. all the things you could get wrong, you get this right. Don't they pay people to make sure this doesn't happen? Don't yeah, they pay I, lawyers lots of money? I think, you know, and I've thought this for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
to me, DC Universe, that streaming app, was had a limited shelf life the minute it came out the door. Mm-hmm. Because even when it came out, we were always hearing rumors of this WB app, this WB app. And then what else got announced on the same day that Swamp Thing got a, got a, got canceled? Oh, the announcement of the WB app and how much it's going to cost. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Um, so as soon as I heard about the WB app, I always in my head was like, it is DC Universe has a shelf life. It's how much long, how long, how many, how much runway does DC Universe have before Warner Bros. is like, we're just going to gobble that up and take all your content? I mean, that just makes too much practical sense, and it gets to the point where it's like, so it was less a manslaughter and more of a murder, is what we're yeah, saying. Yeah, I, I, I think um, I think Titan Season 2 will be the last show that DC Universe does. Right. Because they are, they're filming it right now. And Young Justice gets to finish up end of this month, beginning of next month. Yeah, and I think around Comic-Con or after Comic-Con, we're going to get announcements that Doom Patrol's gone, mm. uh, and Stargirl is only a one-season show, too. Don't, don't end my Doom Patrol. It was so good, and you greenlit a second season. I, know. I loved it so much. Doom Patrol's so good. It, Doom Patrol's quite possibly, I would say, the best superhero show of 2019. Uh, without a doubt. I mean, nothing yeah. nothing even touches it. And I say mm-hmm. this as someone who likes Flash and likes Legends and likes all this other stuff. But yeah, nothing, Me too. No, no, nothing was in its league. Yeah, a Doom Patrol was like far and away the best. It, it was a work of art. It was an yeah. actual work of art. Almost to the point where it's like, you know what? If you did end it here, you had a really good season and this just works as a good series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that's my thoughts. I mean, what do you, do you have any other thoughts? I didn't even get to, a chance to see the Swamp Thing pilot before they canceled it. <laughs> uh, it was a good pilot, but they do the thing I absolutely hate and something that mm. Doom Patrol did so right. And that is, hey, so Swamp Thing, right? Main character of the show. You'll see him in the last 10 seconds. God, are you kidding me? Here's the other thing, too. So Swamp Thing's going to be really expensive to render every week. Uh, so we're actually going to make the show more about Abigail Arcane is what we're going to do. And Swamp Thing will just show up occasionally to help her. Looks like where they're going. I haven't watched episode two yet because mm-hmm. naturally, word of the cancellation killed my enthusiasm to watch the second episode. Well, I, I will say from a production standpoint, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. But also from a production standpoint, why didn't they just make a practical suit? It's. I mean, that's what they did for Doom Patrol, and you could argue, yeah. like, Robot Man doesn't look perfect. You, you yeah, could but... make a practical suit that you enhanced with CGI, and it would mm. lessen the cost of that. Naturally. Yeah, it was a very, very strange choice for theirs. Uh, the effects are amazing. The effects on the monsters and the creatures and the body horror, mind-blowing yeah. stuff. When they say they spent $80 million on this show, I'm they like, yeah, yeah, I buy that. I've I've heard the budget on every DC Universe show is somewhere between 8 to $10 million. Mm-hmm. Now, just to give you an idea of why that is ridiculous, yep, and that's the reason part of the reason why I think DC Universe is going to be scuttled very soon because it's too expensive. They, okay, look, I would love to just hear your guess. Okay, how many subscribers do you think DC Universe actually has? Because my rough guess is I think it's lucky if they have 100,000 people. I think it's not nearly enough because you can't legally get it in Canada or Australia or a bunch of other big markets. It's also not available on PS4, which is stupid. That kills me because my PlayStation is the cornerstone of my media center in my living room. So it's like, I I can't have it here. And I'm in, I'm in Canada, so you wouldn't let me have it anyway. My, my money is no good here, apparently. <laughs> so let's, okay, so I'm going to do some quick math here, okay? So, you know, let's say, that, let's say there's 100,000 people. Okay. 
or we'll even be generous. Let's say there's 200,000 people, right? Fair. And they all, let's say they all bought the year-long yeah. lock-in, which I don't even remember. What is DC Universe? 17 um, a month? Yeah, a month? something like that. It was, it was more expensive than you thought. Like, it was more expensive than Netflix, and people were like, really? I'm going to do some quick, I'm going to go do some quick Googling here. I'm going to find, uh, I just DC Universe. Come on, Google. Come on. And that's okay, so seven ninety nine. Okay. Okay, that's all right. So seven ninety nine times twelve. Mm -hmm. It's it's ninety five dollars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So two hundred thousand times ninety five. Uh, well, it's nineteen million. Mm -hmm. Okay. But divided by how many shows have they made? Uh, There's ten I, episodes of Titans. Uh, yes. Ten all, all that stuff of Young Justice. Okay, yeah. Well, that's Young Justice. I'll, I'll take Young Justice out of this because Young Justice is cheaper. But there's ten episodes of Titans, ten episodes of Doom Patrol, ten episodes of Swamp Thing, ten episodes of Stargirl, ten episodes of Titans season two. So that's fifty episodes. So nineteen million divided by fifty equals, uh, and the final number is. Three hundred and eighty thousand. Yeah, that's not enough to keep an app up. And then again, bring nope. it back to this filing error. They're not going to get that rebate for filming in North nope. Carolina, which means they're not going to get a lot of their production cost back. Yeah. Which means it's already a massive failure before episode two. Yeah, even so, yeah. Just on our basic math, mm. it's a failure. Yeah, and like so bad that it might tank the app. And in fact, that brings us to our second story, that this failure was so colossal, such such a mega botch because of this filing error, that the rumor is AT&T, the parent company who owns Warner Brothers, who owns DC, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, they're talking about having a big sit-down meeting now about keeping this around, where they will probably say what you said, and they're like, why, why are we putting so much resources into this failing app when we're just going to try and come up with our own Netflix competitor soon anyway, and we can just fold all of that into what we're doing over here? Oh, I should probably say for all your audio listeners, by the way, because I know I really just I just showed my phone. Oh. It was it was three hundred and eighty thousand per episode. So the idea is that DC would only make three hundred and eighty thousand dollars profit mm -mm. on each episode, which is not enough to keep the lights on no and again too you know it's like even the, they even eschewed the regular things they do in superhero television to keep costs down they're not filming in vancouver like all those yeah. other shows they, they film, film all in georgia, georgia. yeah 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 which, which uh, uh i had not heard the second story um that doesn't surprise me though no not at all it's like well heads are gonna roll now for this i mean it's, it's business it's, it's, it's funny um there's a comedian online his name's griffin newman mm-hmm and he played Arthur in the Amazon Tick series. Oh. Uh, which, by the way, if you haven't watched, it's great. The second season of The Tick on Amazon Prime is my second favorite superhero show of 2019. Oh, nice. Uh, it's really good. Each episode is half an hour. Very funny, and everybody in it is a really good actor. So he plays Arthur, but he's also a comedian. He tweeted out the perfect explanation. I think that everybody needs to keep in their head for what the deal with the Swamp Thing DC Universe heads will roll. He said, what we're, what we're observing now is all these streaming companies are doing what DCEU movies did to get the Justice League. They're rushing. They're rushing to build a profitable streaming service in less than a year. Whereas he goes, if you go back, Netflix has been streaming since 2013. Right, they used to give physical DVDs before that. And they were doing that since 2006. Wow. So Netflix did not just build its streaming empire overnight. They've been doing it for over a decade. Indeed. And they've learned and along the way. 
Exactly, and, and I, I think Netflix, Netflix only became profitable like two years ago? It's true, it took them a very long time. Also, they only really started getting award consideration when they started spending the money to get it, is the yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so the fact of the matter is that it's, if any of these executives stupidly thought that the DC Universe app, by the way, comic books are a niche market yeah, they are. of less than 500,000 people. The if movies might make a lot of money, but everyone can go to the movies, not exactly, everyone. Exactly, exactly. So if you thought, like, giving them an app was going to make you billions upon billions of dollars, then, like, you need to have your business degree revoked. Yeah, it, it didn't seem like good business from the start, and now it's looking like, ugh. Well, I don't know if it was you we were having this conversation before we started, if it was someone else saying that even Netflix is having its own weird little picadillos now where it seems like no show they have will last more than three seasons. Well, now. yeah, um, and, and that's, that's, that's actually, actually a conversation that I've been having with a lot of people, um, and, I, and I don't mean to, to say this to sound arrogant or something like that. Um, uh, since, since I now work in television production, I've gotten to know a lot more people in television production, and so it's sort of a scuttlebutt around... Hollywood, LA, Los Angeles right now is that like you notice it's the same thing that happened to all of the Marvel shows. Yeah. The Marvel Netflix shows, right? Um, I heard that the bigger reason why they were canceled was not because of this whole Hulu Disney thing that everybody thinks it was. Right. I heard the bigger reason it was canceled is because Netflix operates its business on we're the buffet of television. We like the idea that you have 20 shows. We'd rather have 20 shows. Then have three. So why would we pay for another season, a fourth season of Daredevil? Because if we do that, we have to give everybody raises. Right, right. And the show costs more. When we could spend half that on a brand new show and, oh, hey, we brought carrots to the buffet. We had we have salami here. Now here's carrots. <laughs> That's interesting. And then, you know, obviously there's shows that break that trend, like BoJack Horseman and Orange is of the course. Black. But BoJack Horseman is also animation, which is right. cheap. Animation is very cheap to make. In comparison to all the other yes. stuff, yeah. And actually, hey, Netflix is spending a lot of money on their animation arm in the last year. They, uh, what is it, bought up a bunch of amazing talent, like the dude who did uh, Coco and a bunch of uh, ex-Disney people. It's like, yeah. okay, you know, here's here's money. Make your dream project and make us money off this. Hey, Gravity Falls guy, you want some money? You want to do your new thing over here? Yeah, Alex Hirsch, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a, yeah, so it's kind of been the talk around, um, I've heard from a lot of people where they we, they think we're going to go into the next 10 years of entertainment mm -hmm. on television, and you'll, because there are all these streaming services, yeah. and because these companies have to make money on these streaming services, you're going to be lucky to see any show make it past season three now. Man, that's that's rough. What's, what's the show that hurt the most for you that Netflix canceled? I'm still mad about American Vandal. <laughs> that's, that's a, a great, great show. show that show oh, had limitless man. potential why did you cancel it after two <laughs> um man yeah, i don't know I, I, it's tough because i can't remember a lot of them on the top of my head to me the obvious answer is i i mean i'm gonna go daredevil yeah because i really think daredevil season three finally figured out what the show is it did it really did again luke cage season two same deal was one mm -hmm. of my favorites actually hey that dovetails quite nicely into our next topic uh sure jessica jones will be airing soon and uh it'll be its final season and they had a trailer and they announced who the villain was gonna be uh a reworked version of fool killer all right i know okay but like uh, uh great i'm gonna be honest, honest. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not gonna, gonna watch, watch that season, season. 
I didn't watch the Punisher season because I'm like, no, it's done. It's over. They're mm-hmm. dead. But I really liked Jessica Jones. It was probably my favorite one. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. They're like, hey, the, the other girl's going to become Hellcat. Don't you want to see that? I'm like, yeah, kind of. And also here's, yeah. eh, I don't know. No, no, no I, I guess, guess for me, it's, it's funny. funny. I was totally in on all the Netflix shows, Intel Defenders. Mm. Iron Fist season one was my first, like, oh, what's up? And then Defenders had, and Defenders should have been the Avengers of that universe. And then it was just as bad as Iron Fist. And at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm going to pick and choose. Defenders, I think, was definitely the beginning of the end for that, where it's like, okay, so, you know, you spent all this money and all this time to get your own TV version of Avengers. What do you mean it's now? What do you mean people didn't watch this because they didn't want to catch up on 13 hours of other shows? It's not like watching one two-hour movie to go see the Avengers. Damn it, why didn't we think of this? (laughs) Well, Well, also, I think part of the problem was they decided to couch it in Elektra and Iron Fist, yeah, that like was probably everybody's least favorite parts of those universes. Boy, I bet they didn't see that coming. Damn you, Matthew Buck. You ruined the Inhumans and you ruined the Defenders. I think Scott Buck. Scott Buck, thank you. Yeah. I knew it was Buck. Mm-hmm. I, I only know because Buck rhymes with fuck and he fucked everything. He, he really did. Yeah, you really bucked that one up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Fool Killer, again, they're basically making him like... Uh, what is it, like Kevin Spacey's character in Phone Booth or like uh, Jigsaw where he just keeps calling to threaten Jessica Jones like, I'll expose you for the not hero that you are. I'm like, okay. But he's also like the Scorpio killer from Dirty Harry because he sets it up to be that he's the victim and Jessica Jones can't just go beat him up even though he's just a dude. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, so why, why can't, can't she just, just go, go beat him, him up? <laughs> that, that feels like a thing for every season of Jessica Jones, where it's like, okay, why can't she just go break the purple man's neck? Uh, because these reasons. Uh, why can't she just go beat up this lady? Oh, because mm-hmm. of that? Okay. That's, that's weird. weird. That's, why, that's weird. That's why she can't do it. But we'll wait and see. I mean, I, I might put it on in the background while I work. I'll need something to work on. You're still, still giving them the, the click, click, man. They, they win. I guess you're right when you put it that way. Again, it's true. It's funny. Um, there's a whole subsection of comic books and a whole subsection of movies that I shall not name that have problems with, uh, let's say, the genders of certain characters. And um, I, I don't understand their argument at all because vote with your dollar. Yeah. If you, if you don't want a movie to get a sequel... Don't go see the movie. If you don't want a comic book to get an issue two or three or four, don't buy the comic book. It should be simple math. And actually, that's a, that's a beautiful segue into our next topic as well. Jeez, Jason, you're being an excellent co-host this week. You're just killing it on this one. Speaking of voting with your wallet, uh, people did vote with their wallet this Thursday when it came to the early box office take of Dark Phoenix. Do you know how much money it took in? Oh, dear God. Um... I have, I have no, no idea. idea. Can, Can I, I take a guess? guess? Please do. Um, Twenty-five million. <laughs> Not even close. Oh wait, no, no this is just for Thursday. Sorry, sorry. sorry. That. Um, um, I'm gonna say. I, oh man, did it? Did it make a million? Part. It made over a million. Okay. I my because I was gonna say my prediction for the whole weekend was gonna be like. 27 million. <laughs> uh, I, I had friends go to the theater, yeah, they were and their theater was empty. I, again, I saw people, too, on Twitter. Uh, one guy actually did a really funny video. was like, man, I finally got my early screening. It's about time. You know, they're finally recognizing me. You know, it's going to be a pack. The house, me, and everyone for Dark Feast. Turns the camera around. There's one person there. Cough. <laughs> it's, it's funny. funny um, 
I got the script for Dark Phoenix about three months ago. Oh, shit. And it's funny because it's codenamed Teen Spirit. Because <laughs> it's uh, the 90s. Yeah, it's, so it's called Teen Spirit. And then you flip the page and it says, Charles Xavier voiceover. <laughs> Which is apparently not in the movie, I discovered. So that must oh, have been... Oh, really? Because the script started with, like, mutation. It's the bane of our existence. Blah, 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 blah. That's a good Patrick Stewart. Keep, keep in yes. mind, this film was, like, reshot, like, three or four different oh, yeah. times. So that's a big yeah. problem. But uh, to, not to bury the lead, it was $5 million. It made $5 million on oh, wow. I mean... Do you think it'll be the number one movie, or is Aladdin enough to is Godzilla and Aladdin enough to keep it away? I I get a strong feeling they will. Also, I think uh, Secret Life of Pets two comes out as well, and uh, animated family Probably movies that. always do better than you think. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, man. Nobody wanted this movie. No, no one making it wanted it. The fans are like, it's dead. It's gone. It's a dead series. It's the Netflix effect, like we were talking about. Why? Mm -hmm. Why do I want to vote with this for my money? I'm just going to have to see the new official Marvel one in, like, five years. Yeah, yeah it's, it's weird because, because I also saw um, an interview with the director and the writer, who Simon Kinberg, I believe. Yes, who also worked on the last time they tried yep. to do the Dark Phoenix story. Yes, he did. Uh, he has, like, a co-writing or producing credit on, I think, everything since Last Stand. Yeah, yeah, and also um, I think he was involved in that fan stick movie, too. He does a lot. Yes, of he was. Yes, he was. He was a producer on that. Um, Only he said in the interview about Dark Phoenix that he didn't want to do it. <laughs> it shows. He said this in the interview, but the reason why he did it and the reason why he wrote the movie was apparently, and I don't understand because often it's just, apparently the cast, like James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, and Jennifer Lawrence and all of them were like, can we please make another one, please? Really? And so he was like, okay, I guess, uh, Dark Phoenix, uh, <laughs> I'm and really he wrote a movie script. I'm really surprised to hear that about Jennifer Lawrence, because there's a point in those movies where she's like, oh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an Academy Award winner now. I'm going to sleepwalk through every minute of this now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that will be a slight spoiler, okay. but also That's... will not be a major spoiler, because you'll have to put the math together yourself. So if you come after mm -hmm. me with spoilers on this, I'm going to just slap you down. <laughs> All right, here we go. Leonard Nimoy didn't want to come back for Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. No, no, he did not. And the only reason he came back was because he went to the director and said, I'll come back if you kill Spock in this movie. <laughs> so I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will just say that uh, Lawrence, uh, Jennifer Lawrence has a, has a similar motif uh, for mm. coming back as well. Mm. Um, but uh, I, can't, I just can't believe that Simon Kinberg didn't say like, oh, actors, you just want a paycheck. I know, right? That's the strangest thing. Uh, generally, I and, I and I can only gauge for myself and my fan base and what I read online, there's a general disaffectedness going into this one and the fact that they kept moving it and kept reshooting it. It's like, guys, yes. even if they didn't have a turkey, and I think all signs point to them having a turkey on this one, it wouldn't save it, and it doesn't matter. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you this, uh, Joel. Yes. Do you like the Dark Phoenix saga? I like the story. It's a good story. I, See, or, I do not. Or to be fair, I should say, I like the cartoon version because I've seen the cartoon okay. version more um, than I've read the comic version, in fairness. It's, it's funny. I've read some blogs and some comments and all kinds of things where people have talked about that movies need to stop adapting the Dark Phoenix saga mm. because the Dark Phoenix saga in comics is so singular. Yeah. Um. And that it only kind of works if you were reading comics 
when it was coming out. It's true. There's like so much build up with Jean Grey mm-hmm. for it to have a payoff. And remember, they only started doing anything with Jean Grey in Apocalypse, which Apocalypse was a bad movie too. Yes, I Apocalypse th- was so bad. I think um, people forget that, that it's like Apocalypse was also bad and like uh, also stalled out the series. I'm so mad about that because you could have totally made an amazing apocalypse movie oh yeah because he's such a great villain and they and i can't believe they whiffed it so hard indeed with a great uh, actor but, too like oscar uh, oscar isaac yeah let's let's get one of the best living actors out there and let's bury him under makeup and ask him to whisper for two hours apparently they do that too in dark phoenix with uh with the alien queen as well who was clearly supposed to be a scroll apparently but then they rewrote it for some reason i wonder why <laughs> captain marvel <laughs> yeah it's a it's she's barely in the movie i'll tell you that <laughs> she's barely in the movie um yeah i just it's just i don't yeah this movie man uh you know the most intri- the most exciting thing about dark phoenix to me what is uh, i just learned that hans zimmer does the score and really? i'm curious to hear a hans zimmer x-men score yeah huh interesting might have to check that one out on the old youtubes when we're done because yeah. it's usually either henry jackman or john ottman indeed you know who yeah. really got it hard, though, I think, in this X-Men deal? The poor cast of New Mutants, because it's like, oh, yeah, Dark Phoenix, it's coming out now, then maybe, what about New Mutants? Eh, that's a movie? What? We didn't hear about that. That's not... No, but I saw the trailer, though. You saw nothing. We'll see that movie on uh, Disney Plus next year. I wish they would just do it. It's like, guys, just throw it out on streaming. Make yeah, they're gonna, I think that's exactly what they're, they're... I don't think they're ever going to release it in theaters. No, make a make a big deal about it being like, oh, the X-Men movie they never wanted you to mm-hmm. see, the secret one coming directly to streaming. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because I heard um, that the rewrites on that one, the reshoots on that one were... I heard in the original version, the rumor I heard is that John Hamm was Mr. Sinister. Oh, but he didn't show up till the end. Right. And and the and the the original version of the movie is like very horror based. Like it was yeah, very yeah. horror and they were leaning into it. It's the and ghost then I bear heard, story, yeah. Yeah, and then I heard Disney saw it and was like, What is this? <laughs> and even though I've heard that that version of the movie is great, mm-hmm. um, but I heard that they wanted it to be more like Hunger Games. Really? Or like to have that tone. So they went back and reshot it, took a bunch of the horror out. So oh. now it's like a weird teen romance. And then they cut John Hamm completely out of the movie. Oh, so all the good shit, basically. Yeah. And now Anthony, no, Antonio Banderas is Mr. Sinister. And he's in the movie. Like he's in most of the movie now. Oh, that's that's actually kind of fascinating, though. Antonio yeah. Banderas. Yeah, it's a weird choice. I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know. Hey, you know, Antonio Banderas, you know, knocking down many doors for Latino vampires all over the world. Yeah. Well, it was probably, it's probably the same thing that happened, like, with Solo, uh, because the guy that played Omar in The Wire, he was the original villain. Oh, I wish I could have seen that. Yeah, and then when they reshot it, he couldn't do it. He was filming another movie, so they were like, oh, Paul Bettany. So it with John Hamm was probably the same thing. They were like, we need to reshoot this. And he was like, well, I'm filming Bad Times in El Royale or something like this. And they were like, fine, Antonio Banderas. Why not? Man, you know, the, the guy who plays Omar on The Wire, he has a great show on Vice, or he did. I don't think it ever came back for a second season. It was called Black Markets. And it was just him and a documentary crew going around with people. It's like, hey, today I'm talking to people who steal cars in New Jersey. Today I'm talking to drug dealers from mm-hmm. L.A. He's so, so good. good. He's, He's a very good, good actor. actor. He's amazing. And just like, I love that all these people who work in the black markets love The Wire. I'm like, dude, Omar wants to come talk to me about my mm-hmm. work, of course. I wish you would do that show again. That was a good show. Probably super <laughs> dangerous, though. 
But uh, yeah, that was some pretty solid stuff. Uh, but yeah, X-Men is a mess. I will happily await in a couple years when Disney Marvel do their version. Yeah. 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 I, I hope, hope they, they wait, wait a while, while though. though. I, th- I think they legally have to wait a while is the thing. I don't know. They, they own everything. So I don't know if there's any legally anything. I, I think... I hope smart. I think he's a smart enough dude. Yeah. That he realizes that re- releasing an X-Men movie... Any time within the next four years, right, is just going to make people think about these X Men movies, right? I I had a theory, and this is a real tinfoil hat one here. Where sure, go for it, man. Where Crazy. Where they're like, oh yeah, we're uh we're putting it out there. We're getting a team together to write uh to write an Eternals spec script. Yep, Eternals is gonna be our next big thing. And I'm like, bullshit. That's X Men is what that is. You're lying. You're saying it's Eternals, but it, you're you're gonna reveal it at the big D twenty. You're gonna be like, and here's Eternals, and then the like paper will fall off. And oh yeah. no, wait, it was X Men. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's actually my, my prediction, prediction for the Fantastic Four. Oh, I I think they they cast the Fantastic Four, and I think the reason why we know nothing about any movies coming out of any games is because I think they're going Fantastic Four. I think I think we're going Fantastic Four, and I think if we're not doing Secret Invasion, we're doing Galactus. Because why else would you introduce the scrolls if you weren't eventually yep. building? And I, I've heard, I've heard a weird rumor, and I really hope it's true because I think it would make it such an interesting movie. I've heard the weird rumor is, and I hope they do this because storytelling is amazing. That Doctor Strange Two mm-hmm. is sort of based on Doctor Strange Triumph and Torment. Ah, classic. Which is the storyline where he fights Doom. Amazing, I love that. Um, and I hope they do that. Because I think the reason why every other version of Doctor Doom on the movie screen sucks mm-hmm. is because they haven't set him up properly. He's not a magician. Well, also, like, like just, he's too—he's too big of a concept to wrap your head around in one single movie while you're introducing the Fantastic Four. So, like, I kind of hope over Phase Four. Like, I really, really hope. That in Spider-Man Far From Home European Vacation, um, we get a mention that they wanted to go see this certain museum in Latveria. Ooh, I like that. And the, the, I hope in every movie of Phase 4, we get a name drop of Latveria. Like, oh, like the Latverian embassy, or oh man, the, the monarch of Latveria did this thing again, and we just keep dropping that. And then I think introducing Doctor Doom as an equal to Doctor Strange mm. is such an amazing way. Uh, like, do the, do the thing where, like, they start out enemies, but they have to team up because the, the real villain of the movie is Mephisto. Yeah, or, or more Drew, because wasn't he going around? Or, or, or even Nightmare, the yeah. son of Dormammu. Um, and, then, and then, so, when we see, when we get our Fantastic Four movie, Doctor Doom has already been introduced, so all we have to do is worry about setting up the Fantastic Four. I like that. I like that. Yeah, Doom needs a movie to himself to really yep. explain. I, I I had a pitch too for that, where it's like, okay, how come we haven't heard of Latveria before? Easy. You say it's akin to modern day North Korea. Oh yeah, no yes. news, no news gets in or gets out. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the same as I mean, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, I think you get away with like just saying we just never heard of Latveria before. I think it's fine, but I agree with you. Yeah, he controls so um, much of the media. But I hope they set him up properly because he is the greatest Marvel villain. And, and no movie. We've, we've had three movies with Doom in it, and they all suck. Mm-hmm. And you gotta cast someone real good in that role too, because you want it to be recurring. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, I would even make, make the argument that, that like, the, the next Avengers movie, it, Doom should be the villain. Mm, that'd be fine. Should hey, be Doom. Doom. Hey, Black Panther sequel, do Doom War at some point. Do Doom War. See, okay, I'll give you that. You don't, you don't, you don't put, put him in Doctor Strange? Put Doom as the villain of Black Panther 2 and say, hey, Ryan Coogler, every terrible thought you have about colonial, excuse me, colonialism, you know, you know the, the white men invading. Put it on him. Put it on Doom. He's the metaphor. Yeah, he he represents all that. I am a king, just like yep. you, Black Panther. But I don't give a shit. And by right of kings, yep. I come to take your medal. Yeah. This, this land, Wakanda, Wakanda it's, it's mine now. It, it's and, my land. And, and because <laughs> I'm a, a, a hoity-toity European, mm. uh, that, that means, means I'm right. right. And then, like, you like do a little thing there. It's like, but wait a minute. You weren't always that dude. No, I actually grew up as a Romany, but I don't like to tell people that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I, that, that's, that's not a bad plot for a Black Panther 2 either. Yeah, that's that's pretty solid. Again, you either set him up against Doom or you set him up against Namor. Although Namor is kind of in a weird place because Universal, much like the Hulk, apparently still owns a stake in him. Yes, yeah, I've, I've heard, heard that, that as well. well. So, so it may be a while until we get a Namor movie. movie. That's so weird that Universal, it's like, no, we're not letting go of Hulk. We're just not going to let you make solo Hulk movies because they don't make money. He can still hang out in the team pictures in the Avenger movies mm. when they make lots of money. But no, you can't do anything else with the Hulk. Mm. Or at least we get the right of first refusal and we usually refuse. Yeah, yeah that's sad. sad. I, mean, I, I hope, hope we, we actually get an actual Marvel Hulk movie, but I understand the business reason why we won't. The tangled, tangled web of it all now, uh... What else was happening this week? Uh, ooh, uh, moving from Marvel to DC, we actually got the poster for Wonder Woman 1984. Looks cool. cool. Shiny. I, I, I do uh, love the, uh, the level of internet journalism where everybody was like, look at Wonder Woman's new costume! And you're like, that's it could just be a poster image, guys. Okay, okay cool. We, we don't know what it means. What I want to know more is, like, I just raised my hand, I'm like, what is Wonder Woman 1984? Because everything we see about it seems confusing, like you're telling the story again, but in 1984? What? I don't know. I'm fine with it. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, like, like, I'm more excited for Wonder Woman 84 than I think I am any other superhero movie because um, I loved Avengers in Game to Death. Mm -hmm. But the weird thing, and, I, and I'm looking forward to every comic book fanboy telling me I'm wrong on this, um, the weird thing about endings is they give you a point to stop. It's true. So it'll be interesting to see. Now, I think Spider-Man Far From Home European Vacation will be fine because it comes out in the same year. But it will be interesting to see if over the next two to three years, we start seeing Marvel box offices not quite hit a billion dollars anymore. Right. Like, like, they, they, they cross $500 million. they're very successful, but they don't hit a billion anymore. Because you might get a lot of people in your audience who aren't big comic book fans, who, who just go to these as movies, and they might just be like, well, I thought Endgame was the end. Yeah. Sal and I had a great conversation about this, too, where it's like, are the people who just like, okay, deal me out of this casino that is superhero movies. I've hit yeah. the jackpot. I'm done. They, they gave every single viewer of the Marvel Cinematic Universe the perfect ending and the perfect out. They sure like, if I, decide, if I decided to never see another Marvel movie again, Avengers Endgame is a great ending. It's a complete story. 
And if I ever want to revisit it, I got 21 awesome movies. It's true. I, I think the way they're going to get around this, and again, Sal and I talk about this on in great detail too, is they're going to get more niche, but in getting more niche, they might be able to trick people into thinking like, wait, this is connected to that Marvel Universe. Like when Shang-Chi comes out, oh, cool, an awesome kung fu movie. Wait a minute, he knows the Avengers too? Seriously? That's, That's a fair point. point. That, and that, that would, would be, be a great way uh, to, to do, do it. it. Yeah, I'd be like, hey, Moon Knight, look, uh, uh, Batman, but he dresses in white. Wait a minute, he also hangs out with the Avengers? Yeah, yeah I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be actually be down with that if, uh, if suddenly, like, every Marvel uh, trailer is sort of, um, like, John Wick. Mm. And then you go see the movie, and you're like, wait, what? Yeah, also this, everyone, in case you didn't know. Mm. That's, that's what I think they're going to do. Then you got, like, all the streaming shows there, too, where it's like, no, no, we're keeping this alive. You know, you, if you are more interested in to see what happened next, we have these as well to keep you tied it over in between the movies. Yeah, that's that really, really cool? cool. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, th th that was just the Wonder Woman news. It's a poster. There's not much to talk about it. Poster's cool. I'm interested, especially because it looks like now, uh, no pun intended, the shackles are off, Patty Jenkins, where it's like, look, you kind of had to make this origin story that kind of had to fit into what we were doing in Justice League, which didn't make what we wanted to. How about you just make it your way now and do what you want? Well, well but, but she's, she's a, a great, great filmmaker, though. She is. So, so that's, I mean, I don't know, really, again, that's the one I'm, I'm most excited for, just because I love the first Wonder Woman, and, and Patty Jenkins is a damn fine filmmaker, so. Indeed. I, I wonder, too, I, I hope this one makes more than Shazam did, because I liked Shazam, and it broke my heart that that one, which is moving in such a good direction, underperformed. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's fine. I, I, thought, I thought Shazam was, an, I thought, I'll tell you this, I thought it was the better of the Captain Marvel movies. Oh, <laughs> I, I laughed more at Shazam, no doubt about that. Yeah. I enjoyed Shazam, but it didn't really knock my socks off in any way. Again, you know, I, I think the fact that even just for me, it was it was such like a move in the right direction, like cool color comedy. The fact that you're a superhero in Philadelphia and you don't get that, mm -hmm. especially as someone who's just been to Philadelphia within like the last year, I'm like, hey, I know that place. <laughs> I was very disappointed that the booty trap is not a real place, though. Oh, yeah. I was sure as soon as I got home, I'm like, is this a real place in Philadelphia? No? Okay. Uh, who who wants to be my investor to open up a bunch of... For the booty trap? For the booty trap. We're going to open it in Philadelphia. I'm going to move there and make this happen. Magic will be real. <laughs> good, good luck. Good luck. luck. Yeah, really. Uh, opening up there, it's like, Ugh, in this economy, are you serious? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we have one last news story, and it's Marvel comic-related. I don't know if you were seeing this here, Jason, but uh, apparently Marvel is teasing the formation of a brand-new team that will be coming out very soon. Doesn't have a name yet, but we do know the members. It's going to be Blade, uh, who I'm surprised Blade hasn't gotten a new movie yet or a new show mm -hmm. or anything. I feel like they're leaving a ton of money on the table with Blade. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I actually, actually am surprised we didn't get, like, a Netflix Blade. Maybe, maybe uh, what is there on these Hulu things? Because, again, hey, also on the team, Damien Hellstorm, who will be getting a show soon. Okay, all right. They've they've tried to make Damien Hellstorm happen so many times. It's like, he's a hero, he's a villain, he's an anti-hero, he's our Constantine, he's so many things. <laughs> That's uh, weird. No, no I, I, are, are these, these little teasers where, like, it looked like it was, like, Wiccan was one of them? Yes, Wiccan is one. Okay. okay. Which, yeah, what, what the, the hell, hell is this? I have no idea. It's weird, too, to see Wiccan without Hulkling, because they're usually just joined at the hip. Hmm. Which I, I guess makes more sense. I hope that's a line there. It's like, well, just because we're together doesn't mean we're joined at the hip. Well, you go places without your significant other, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah of, of course, course, all the time. time. Yeah, so you got Wiccan, you got Angela, another character who is just like, man, you guys were so happy and so proud when you got the rights to this character, but you've never found a proper niche for her. <laughs> uh, Spectrum, who again, I think has gotten a whole bunch of new uh, popularity and new eyes on her because of Avengers No Road Home and also mm -hmm. Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. 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 And plus, you know, Monica Rambeau is cool. It's like, I led an Avengers team for crying out loud. Why am I always playing second, third stringer? And lastly, Winter Soldier, yet another character, super popular because of the movies, and also another mm -hmm. character who they cannot seem to figure out where to put. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's weird, weird that they, they don't. don't uh, I mean, it's, it's sad, sad that Bucky's best time was when he was actually Captain America. I, uh, I yeah. really like the Kyle Higgins mini that came out this year. I think you would have liked it, too, because there's actually, like, a very strong, like, military connection and stuff. No, it doesn't have it yet. It's good. It's Kyle Higgins. It's only six issues. Basically, Bucky sets up a new business where he's like, look, there's a lot of people stuck in bad situations all over the world, like I was working for the Russians as a brainwashed killer. I'm going to go around and rescue people from bad situations. So, like, he helps out, uh, like, a cop who's getting hassled by a bunch of dirty cops for not being on the take. He rescues a bunch of guys who want to leave Hydra. And I'm like, oh, this is good for him because it makes him more than just Captain America light. He has his own yes. thing that he's doing. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. He adopts a kid who is also, like, a Hydra child soldier who he tries to deprogram. <laughs> Okay. It goes to some dark places, but it's actually, like, really, really solid. And, like, it asks a lot of deep philosophical questions about second chances and who deserves them. And, you know, how, how many second chances should one person get? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I just like Kyle Higgins in general. I think he's an underrated comic book writer. Is that is, is that every member of the team? Ah, uh, yes, that's every member of the team. I don't think we know the writer yet, but I do believe it was rumored that Al Ewing might be writing this, whatever it is. Uh, Alan Ewing, I like Alan Ewing. His Hulk is killing it right now. Yeah, his, uh, his Ultimates run is great as well. That's the rumor, too, that this might actually be announced to be a new Ultimates team from, uh... uh I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. I'm totally down for that, because his Ultimates and Ultimates 2 was, in my opinion, the only good book of all new, all different, all adjectives Marvel. It was a rough time, but yeah, he's like, okay, mm -hmm. let's get really deep in this cosmology now, everybody. Let's yep. let's start rewriting it and writing some rules. I'm uh, just glad he has yeah. a book that can stick around like Hulk, because Ewing was always like, oh, what a great book that got canceled before its time. Yeah, totally. Uh, usually this is the point in the show, too, uh, where I just talk about, Matt, what he read this week, or if he read anything or saw anything that he enjoyed, so we'll do that now. Sure, man. Uh, I'll let you go first because you're the guest. Guest uh, gets gets to go first. Does it have to be something current? No, it could be anything. Okay. Uh, I weirdly so it's on Marvel and uh, some research for Future Geek Hitch Lawson. I have been reading Colin Bunn's Magneto run. Oh, so good, so underrated. Yeah, it's really good, and I I just had. You know, when it came out, I dismissed it because I just never thought that Magneto could do enough to carry a solo series. And but I'm going to say I really enjoy it. I think it's a really great series. And not, it's on Marvel Unlimited, so you can read it for free hey, if you have Marvel Unlimited. Not only was it great, but it came in at a time in X-Men history, which sadly continues to get stretched out, where it's like, man, what a lame, uninteresting time. But man, this Magneto book is just killing it. Yeah, yeah. That So... 
Uh, that's I've been reading a lot more prose lately than comic books. Actually, I mean, I'm deep in I'm in book six of the Expanse series, which is a great oh. television show if you've never watched it. I haven't. I've heard I've had many people recommend it to me. There's too there's too many shows now. I can't keep track of. There it. is, man. You can't. You just have to accept that you're gonna die before mm. you can read and see everything. It's yeah. it, just accept it. It's gonna happen. I downloaded the first episode of Warrior, that Cinemax Bruce Lee show. Yes. Where it's like, hey, it's Peaky Blinders, but for the tried, I'm like, all right, that sounds like a good mix. I've almost started it several times. <laughs> I'll do I'll do that. It's like, okay, I'm gonna sit down and watch this show. Oh, hey, someone's talking to me online there. Oh shit, I gotta read this book. Oh, I gotta go make dinner now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's just my life now. Never, never finishing anything. <laughs> It's all our lives now, man. It's all our lives. I I, I watched uh, the first episode of Barry. That was funny. Uh, season one or season two? Season one. Uh, uh, Barry's a great, great show. show. I'm, I'm I'm in the middle of season two right, right now, and it, and, and it still holds up. I've always loved Hater as an actor. I was always carrying a torch for him, even on mm. Saturday Night Live, where I'm like, let this dude do more. You need to crack the code on this guy because he has a dark intensity as well as being funny. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, also, also a show about a veteran. veteran. Also that, too. That's right. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Root is his buddy, too. Bill from King of the Hill. That's funny. Stephen Root is one of the most underrated actors of all time. Oh, yeah. And a chameleon, too, who just disappears into every role yep. he does. He, uh, one of my favorite role of his is when he's Jimmy James in a news radio. Oh. Which we've never seen as one of the best sitcoms of all time. <laughs> Man, they, they don't really do sitcoms like they used to anymore. I know because I have, I, I mean, maybe I can't speak because I haven't had network TV in like a billion years. Because, again, you got to afford all the streaming services now. Mm, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I can't remember the last sitcom where it's like, oh, you know, here's like a sitcom that you actually really need to watch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's, they're harder and harder to find. Mm-hmm. I uh, I like that show too. Uh, it actually just got renewed for a new season. Uh, Letter Kenny. I think I I pitched this to Ashley when she was on the show. Have I don't know that one. Uh, it's it's a Canadian show. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's very like you know like almost like mockumentary style. I I akin it to the Trailer Park Boys. It's kind of like that, but coming from a different place comedically. It basically is just a comedic version of the town that I live in, and that Ashley said that she lived in as well when she was in Canada. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. It's very like small town. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's funny stuff. Uh, that comedian, uh, uh, Trevor K. Wilson, who you've probably seen some of his specials and stuff on Netflix. He got mm-hmm. his start yeah. there. Yes, I, have, I, I do know, know that person. Uh, what uh, what else did I have here? Usually, usually I have my list up in front of me of everything that I've read. Uh, oh, I I guess I can talk about it because I just finished reading it. Uh, I just finished uh, the new issue of Scott Snyder's Justice League. Okay, okay I uh, have not been reading, reading that book. book. It's maybe the best thing at DC right now. Arguably, like, pound for pound, hasn't had a bad issue. Oh, interesting. I, I was going to say the last DC thing that I liked that I read was um, Deceased. Mm, I read that too this week. Because uh, I think um, I'm a big fan of Tom Taylor, and I think Tom Taylor... Uh, I think they should just hand the keys of the DC Universe over to Tom Taylor because he's awesome. They should, and as you've seen with Injustice, he basically ran it, and everyone really liked it. Yeah, yeah. He keeps taking these bad ideas and making them diamonds. Yeah, making gold. Like, hey, do Marvel zombies, but in DC, okay, cool. I'll make it a thing about our dependence on technology, and I'll also use the Super Sons because you're not using them. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I, I would say give Tom Taylor Justice League and Superman right now. Like, let him. 
let him let him have the main keys. Like let him drive the car. I would like him to do Green Arrow because he clearly has an affinity for Green Arrow and Black Canary oh, yeah. that is not shared by his contemporaries. And just once, I'd like Green Arrow to be written by people who like Green Arrow and aren't yeah, just that's true. villains. Yeah, that is true. That's, that's a hard thing about. Um, about Green Arrow right now, yeah. But he doesn't have a book now. He's one of the few that... No, I mean, and, and, and Ben Percy, I thought, did a great run in oh, DC. That. that runs really good. And then they took it away from him for some reason and gave it to a bunch of fill-ins, then canceled it. Yeah. The, the worst part is is that clearly that book was supposed to be important to this, uh, like, next phase of DC Rebirth because it's like, oh, Green Arrow gets the magic box. What's in the box? We don't know. It could take down the Justice League, but we can only trust Green Arrow with the box. Oh, did we say the box was important? Uh, let's never talk about the box again. Yeah, yep, never, never mind. mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. Moving on. You know, we have, uh, what is it? We, we got three big prima donna writers on our biggest books now that we have to appease and make it seem like all these things are connected when they're clearly not. Yeah. 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 It's, um, I mean, that's the, that's the downside about making a continuity comic-based universe. Your, your best writer is tied to your worst writer. Yeah, it, tr- it truly that is. A, that is a quote from the great and late Len Wein. Ooh, I like that. Len Wein, of course, with Swamp Thing, getting his name out there like never before. Look, Look at that. Brought a full circle, man. You, sh- you certainly did. That's some good stuff. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I guess we've been talking for about an hour now. I guess we can start <laughs> winding down if you like. But, uh, yeah. Th- thank you so That's much, okay. Jason, for coming on. This this was an absolute blast. It's always a pleasure having you. No, thanks, dude. Thanks for having me. I, I love um, I, I love our conversations. You're you're a pleasure, Aww. and you're you're a well-spoken gentleman. Aww. And uh, we talked about Stevia for like five minutes. So that's awesome. Boy, did we! This this is the hard-hitting comic content people come for, and this is great too because we're recording this on Friday, which means I get to put this up on Patreon way earlier. So they're going to be stoked they got an early episode. Hi, patrons! Yeah, hello everyone. Uh, if you want to become a patron, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month. It really helps uh, keep the lights on here at Cape Joel offices, by which I mean my living room, and it helps. Helps me pay Matt uh, to keep him coming back and keep making thumbnails and everything. So that's appreciated. Uh, you can listen to this show Wednesday, uh, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as always. And then the following Thursday, it goes up on all the digital feeds, uh, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, etc., etc. Although iTunes isn't iTunes anymore now. That's changed now. It's, it's Apple, Apple Music Podcast? What yeah. is it now? I think it's Apple Podcast now. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay, okay. Sure. That sounds, sounds good. good. Wasn't that weird when they sent that? out? It's like, hey, everyone who has their show on iTunes, uh, iTunes won't be here in a week. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> uh, do, do I have to change or move anything? No. Okay. That's just a weird letter to send. Don't don't make me scared like that. <laughs> Look, we're clearly in a world where as long as it works, who cares? Yeah, I guess so. So, yes, thank you, everyone, so much for watching and listening. Uh, be sure to check the links down in the description for all those things I just mentioned. Uh, be sure to check out Jason's book over on uh, Amazon and all the other ebook places. If it was to spark your interest, it certainly sparked my interest. And we will be back again next week, everyone. Same Cape Jewel time, same Cape Jewel channel. So until then, everyone, thank you so much for listening. I have been Joel. And I've been Jason. Jason. And we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.